Hi, it's Mike Wheeler, and uh, working not side by side, but uh, via Zoom with Kim Leary on Agility at Work. Kim, how are you doing this morning? Doing well, Mike. I, I like the way of you put that. We're we're working virtually side by side. Indeed, indeed. And uh, here I am on the coast of New England in Gloucester, Massachusetts, and you're up in Maine, but the technology is bringing us closer. We have a terrific guest today. My friend and colleague, Joe Badaracco, is going to talk about an unusual course at the Harvard Business School called The Moral Leader. Joe started it at the business school after learning about its origins at the Kennedy School. We'll hear about that. I had the privilege of teaching it for a half dozen years, so we'll get him in here shortly. I just want to... uh, tip our hat to our sponsor, Negotiation 360. Uh, You can find it at N, as in Negotiation 360.expert. That's the key thing, getting the domain name right. And you can find uh, work that Kim and I are doing, things we've written together or on our own, and uh, links to the online courses on negotiation that I've developed. But enough of that, we ought to invite Joe in here. You all set, Kim? You bet, and very excited. So, Joe, it's great to have you join us uh, today, and I understand that you have a busy afternoon on tap. You're teaching two different classes, is that correct? That's right. And what are they? Well, the first of the two is directly relevant to what we're going to be talking about. It's a class in this course called The Moral Leader, where we discuss works of fiction instead of classic case studies. And then this afternoon, it's an unusual course that we're doing for the first time uh, for MBA students. We've had a series of speakers on Wednesday afternoon, prominent executives, And then we will be discussing what the students learn from them in a class at the end of the day today. Yesterday was Jamie Dimon, the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase. And uh, so I'll be leading that discussion. Kim and I are very grateful that you could squeeze us in today. And you mentioned at the top the Moral Leader course. I had the great good luck of teaching that for five or six years. And as much as I love teaching negotiation, I think some of my best moments in teaching was in that course. And it is so different from what people might think would happen at a at a business school. Can you say a word or two about the origins of the course? My understanding is it goes back for decades. It now goes back for decades at HBS. It was first taught by a now-retired professor psychiatrist by training at the Ed School. I That's think in about Coles, 1990. Right? That's Robert Coles, and I walked into his, one. I heard he was going to do this maybe 30 years ago. I watched one of his classes. It was radically different from our conventional case method discussion, and the fiction was really powerful, and he was a master at doing this. So I thought, I want to try this, see what I can learn from it, and I started finding works of fiction I was familiar with and eventually created the course. I'm looking at the syllabus, so glad to see that you're teaching Remains of the Day. People may have read the book or they may have seen the Anthony Hopkins movie, but it's about somebody who is uh, 
what, the title isn't Butler. Uh, what, what is the role at an English mansion in the 1930s? He thinks of himself as a butler. He's running an entire household. Yes. So here's the thing. I had seen the movie, I had read the book, and I was wondering, what are Harvard Business School students going to see that they can relate to in, in this? And I'm in the classroom, I don't sit on the table, I move around. And I put that question to them, what does this book have to do with you? And there was a guy sitting in back, in the center section, on the aisle, uh, back row, and he said, we are all servants. And of course, the discussion was off and running there. Um, whom do you work for? To what ends are you working for? Uh, what responsibilities do you have in choosing whom you're working with? Because it turned out that the head of household here was very sympathetic to the Nazis. And um, uh, we get just a taste of that in the in the book, but it's a very conflicting role. And the other, as you say, we read it when I thought a, there was a biography of Catherine Graham, the Washington Post that we read, uh, and that was very successful. But Moses is fictional. As you say, you get deeply into the people's lives, their character, if you will. Yes, it, it's also, by the way, interesting that you mentioned Remains of the Day, because I put that in the course decades ago. Uh, I wasn't sure whether it would work because, you know, it describes, it's the recollections of a British butler in a great British home and describes events between the First and Second World War. Uh, it, when I asked students at the end of the course to rate the books, that was right at the top and it stayed there. And it does have this question, I think the author of the book said, we are all butlers. That's why he picked the topic. And it's also a guy who set really demanding personal goals for his life and his achievements professionally, as do many of the students. And so in this profound way, a deep way, he is like them. And as they see how his life unfolds, they're thinking a little bit about their own futures. How have the works of fiction that are at the center of the course changed over the period of time you've been teaching it? Uh, have you kept some in as kind of cornerstones? and others have come in and out of the syllabus? Well, if you look over, say, the last 10 years, you might see three or four new books out of a total of 13 or 14. The last new book I put in now was about four years ago. So I have a set of books that really work well. Uh, the students engage, the issues matter to them personally, and then the sequence of books and the issues they raise create this really, I think, important, broader structure of ideas for the students. So this is very much a Harvard Business School course. As I said, we're using works of serious literature instead of cases, but we have a framework. It's oriented towards figuring out what's going on when you face a complicated problem in an organization and trying to get a sense of what you should do. So right now everything fits together and I'm, every summer I look around for alternatives, but I haven't found any lately. But, but when you say literature and fiction, uh, I'm looking at the syllabus. When I taught it, the first book we read, it's a little deeper in your syllabus, 
is Antigone. We're going back to the ancient Greeks. Now, that's not a business case at all, but it involves uh, conflicting obligations, among other things. Uh, and my picture of you teaching, because I watched you teach it before I picked up the course, you and Sandra Sutcher teach it, you don't teach it in a, in a normal way. You certainly aren't lecturing. There isn't a PowerPoint to be found, and maybe I'm exaggerating, but I picture you sitting on a table in the front of, of the class doing far more listening than talking. Is that a fair description? That's exactly right. I really want to make it the student's discussion. And uh, I've taught these books a lot. So there are certain issues that I really hope and try to get in front of the students. But when and how we get them there, that's kind of up to the flow of the student discussion. And I try to signal that. Uh, in a variety of ways. You know, Joe, um, to think of this as such a, a, an experience for students at the business school uh, is terrific. Um, and I'm, I'm so struck by the way in which learning from the past and learning from the experiences and challenges that people have faced and have tried to write about, or someone has tried to write about as, as a teaching tool is just fabulous. You know, over at the Kennedy School, we've been doing a lot of thinking about moral leadership too, looking at a, a set of cases from mayors through the Bloomberg Harvard City Leadership Initiative, where they've had to face these kinds of moral dilemmas. And I'm, I'm just wondering, as you've thought about the way you teach and what students learn, how do they take those kinds of ideas into conversations, for example, like the one they had with Jamie Dimon yesterday? What the fiction does is bring reality into the classroom. So we have case studies, but you know, a lot of times the case study will start with a marketing manager staring out at the window because he's trying or she's trying to figure out how to rebrand something. And you learn nothing about the person. Here you really get a sense of these people from the inside. And I think students really appreciate that. And they'll find somebody that uh, they admire, somebody in a book that they dislike. Maybe it's somebody who's, they dislike who resembles them a little bit so it gets under their skin a little bit more. So the books really engage. And the second thing I'll emphasize quickly is that I think they get a much richer and more accurate view of uh, morality and moral life. You know, we teach fiduciary duties and we teach, you know, consequentialism and deontology and all these other theories, but everyday moral life for people is vastly more complex, varied, subtle, involving norms, values, their growing up experiences, things they're struggling with. And so there's just this, it's like pulling back a curtain and you, you let students see a lot of reality and it really engages them. You talk about thinking about the futures. This isn't unscripted, but it has given me a nice segue. Um, imagining in their future, thinking back to who they were and what they did. I'm looking at the Blessed Assurance uh, story, uh, Alan Gerganis, that I just love in a collection called White People. And it's about a guy who's led a, a very successful and very respectable life. He's in his 60s. He's recollecting how he sold uh, funeral insurance 
to poor black people when he himself was in a um, uh, family that had little in the way of means. And it was a, uh, uh, a real scam in terms of what the insurance stuff was. And this has stayed with him for decades and decades and decades. Um, powerful story. We're giving reading recommendations here. Uh, uh, and that drew a, a lot out of people as, as well, including I remember a student who was uh, doing the joint degree program uh, Kim with the Kennedy School, who was from the southern part of the country and grew up in, I th think she used the word racist, a racist family. And she had some kind of friendship with a 13-year-old black girl who liked the same kinds of things that she did. And she learned a lot from that, from that experience. Um, and she came from a community college in Florida, not our usual path, and um, she was a mother at age 17, um, so not from a privileged family. And I think her, there was something about the story, Joe, that evoked that experience for her, and she shared it with her classmates in a way that was very open and trusting in the sense that they would accept it. Yeah, let me just make a couple of quick comments on that, Mike. Uh, it's a, uh, Blessed Assurance is one of the stories I really like discussing. Uh, often students will read it and they think it's nonfiction. They think that uh, it's first person. They think this, this is a transcript of what somebody said in therapy uh, because it seems so real. I had one African-American student uh, maybe 10 years ago who actually sang the uh, hymn oh insurance in class, you know, which was quite moving for everybody. And then uh, it's interesting how these books remain relevant. Uh, so at starting two years ago, people started talking about this poor, struggling white guy whose parents were victims of lung disease. They had nothing. But as being privileged, relative to the people whose insurance premiums he was collecting and who were being exploited by his company. So this notion of privilege all of a sudden, you know, was directly relevant and we had good discussion of it. I suspect we will again this afternoon. Joe, let me ask a question. Um, because this is a different way of teaching through, lit I mean, for business schools and for schools of public policy, to teach through literature, what um, could anyone do this, uh, or what would be what would you recommend for uh, uh, one of our listeners who thinks, "Gosh, this is a really interesting idea. I'd like to explore it." How would someone go about preparing themselves to teach in this particular way? Yes, anyone can do it. Uh, these are powerful, engaging stories, so you don't have to worry about generating interest. I would recommend using my view of the classic case method, which is you basically ask the students, what do you think? Uh, you try to keep them, once you hear a topic that they seem to think is important and you think is worthwhile, you keep them on it for a while and get different perspectives. And instead of teaching, I often try to think of myself as sort of interviewing the students in other words, 
what can I, what are they trying to say? What can I learn from them? How can we test it a little bit? Does anybody else disagree with that? But I'm, if I get out of the mentality of teaching and following a teaching plan and just let the literature uh, engage the students and then try to learn what they're learning or seeing or feeling, you have a really good class. <laughs> uh, I really good is it turns out to be great. We're giving people a picture of Harvard Business School in terms of how we teach and what our commitment is to it that they might not have fully understood. I never had a student sing the song, but I would always open and close class with a recording. And for the blessed assurance, I'd have there's a Gladys Knight version which I would play at the beginning. And then there's a Thelonious Monk who had a very troubled life, a uh, piano rendition of it. And you can hear his troubles in, in the playing of it. And went back to Remains of the Day. What do you choose there? Well, Bob Dylan, you got to serve someone, you know. So uh, welcome to the Harvard uh, Business School. And Kim, if, if I hear in your voice a, uh, an interest in teaching us. I'd be glad to work with you and coach you on it. I'm looking at the clock. I think we have to give thanks to Joe for joining us. And uh, for me, it's just personally a thrilling experience to know that course goes on and on and on. Thank you, Joe, for uh, really taking us into your classroom and helping us to, as Mike said, imagine a different kind of case in a different HBS classroom, but taking up the same themes that we know to be so crucial to understanding success and fortitude, courage and resiliency, both in the business world and also in the other worlds in which uh, HBS graduates go, including at times public policy and uh, into the nonprofit sector. Well, I couldn't have put it better, Kim, and I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much. Hey, Kim, that was great. I, I hope you could hear in my voice the vicarious pleasure I got from reliving my own experience uh, teaching the, the moral leader. And where you teach adaptive leadership, this must have resonated with you as well. Absolutely. You know, to organize a course around literature, as we just heard, is uh, a really terrific way to bring students into really the heart of what it means to make decisions, own those decisions, and then live with those decisions over time. You know, I haven't had the chance to teach the Moral Leader course like that, but I always include a piece of fiction memoir in my adaptive leadership course. I didn't know that. I do, it, and it really does, I think, as Joe was describing, uh, help students to see that the, it, you bring very different points of view and perspectives and that what it plainly seems like you ought to go in one direction to one group of students, uh, it becomes uh, very clear that that memoir has been heard in such a different way by others in the class. It's an extraordinary way to teach. Isn't that nice how that provokes? I hope it provokes other people to think about the same thing. So Kim, enjoy the rest of the day. Great to talk as always. Take care, Mike.